but I did go ahead and save all my money, I think, in the year of 1968 for a real expensive table tennis robot. Hey, and thanks for checking out the Discover Birmingham podcast. Here we talk about events going on around our city, we highlight local businesses, and we meet people who are doing things in our community. This is our first episode, and I am thankful to have you here with me. Today's guest has accomplished more in the sport of table tennis than Arnold Schwarzenegger ever did in bodybuilding. This man holds the world record for the most consecutive appearances in the Table Tennis U.S. Open. He's won multiple gold medals in the Senior Olympics. He's a U.S. national coach, and he's the owner and founder of America's first table tennis store. It's in the River Chase Galleria, and it's called Bumper Nets. You might have been there. He's the Babe Ruth of ping pong, and I really enjoyed hearing his stories and drinking some coffee with my friend, my neighbor, Mr. Homer Brown. This is coffee. Well, it's espresso. So when I went to Baba Java, I just ordered a regular shot of espresso. Uh-huh. And I came home and I poured some milk in it. So I just have a little bit there. I like espresso personally better than drip coffee. What about you? Do you have a go-to when you when you go to a uh-huh. coffee shop? I usually do cafe latte most of the time if I go. But at home, I'll do like uh, Dunkin' Donuts in the K-cup just for quick quick easy yeah starbucks yeah gets the job done but i did try some americano coffee down when i was down on 30a at a coffee shop and it was really good with cream and sugar i think americana is um it's also espresso but i think they use water instead of milk it's the way it's the way i understand it someone's going to be listening to this who's a coffee connoisseur and be like this guy has no idea what he's talking about but that's the way i understand it yeah, I'd rather have milk. Yeah, same. Well, Homer, thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, this is episode one of the Discover Birmingham podcast. And I wanted to kick us off with you because, you know, you were you were a gamer before video games were existed. You're kind of like the OG of gaming in a way. And I want you guys to know that today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you find yourself struggling with anxiety, depression, or just feeling stuck in life? Well, BetterHelp is here to help. BetterHelp is the world's largest online therapy platform with licensed therapists available to you from the comfort of your own home. With BetterHelp, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions with your therapist. Or you can simply message them anytime you need to. No more sitting in traffic, no more waiting rooms, and no more feeling uncomfortable. And here's the best part. BetterHelp is affordable. Financial aid is available to those who qualify, 
and our listeners get 10% off their first month by visiting BetterHelp.com Birmingham. Take the first step towards a happier, healthier life with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Birmingham today and get 10% off your first month. Thanks for listening to the Discover Birmingham podcast. Now back to the show. Tell us a little bit about your experience. So you, you own Bumper Nets, which was the first, what? America's uh, first table tennis store. You started America's first table tennis store. Okay. What made you want to start that? Well, as you mentioned, uh, I've always been kind of a gamer, I guess, when I was in my early ages. And uh, was always, always doing something, um, whether it was uh, kickball or uh, croquet or tennis or ping pong in the neighborhood, basketball, whatever it was, I was doing something. And uh, fell in love with playing table tennis in my last year of high school. But then I got into it in college and really fell in love with it as far as the competition and the interaction I was having doing it. And, um, and the way I understand, you got pretty good at it. I did. And, uh, of course, I asked someone, I said, how, how can I get better? And they said, well, why don't you start a team at, at my college? So we did, and we played other colleges, and uh, uh that went really well, and then so I got into even stronger tournament competition through the USA Table Tennis Association, played in tournaments. In fact, my first tournament was in Gadsden, Alabama. Is that right? Yeah. And uh, just from then on, I started going to tournaments and, and loved it and uh, knew that it would be a sport that I could actually play for a long time into my 90s. So you said your first big tournament was in Gadsden, your yeah. first more serious one? Yeah. At what point did you realize that it was going to become a big deal for you? You know, once before the gold medals, before the world championships, before national, when did you realize that you were really good and it was going to be something you were going to pursue? Well, you know, I, I felt that I was uh, a real consistent player and didn't even need as much practice to still be good and uh, kept going to tournaments. I was really a tournament player, not a person that liked to practice. I could tell that that I had the passion to win and uh, a lot of, you know, playing sports. It's that mental aspect. They say that 80% of it's mental. And uh, so wanting to win uh, is, is important. And uh, I could tell that I had that. So, uh, proceeded to, you know, go to tournaments and get better. Actually got nationally ranked top 40 back in 1971, right after I'd just been playing for a little while. So I knew that was really good. So I had that uh, opportunity to get better. How long were you playing before you got nationally ranked? Probably as far as uh, competition, probably about a year and a half. Seriously? Yeah. That escalated quickly. Yeah, it did. So you got nationally ranked. How does that work? Is it the top 10 get invited to the national tournament, or how does that work? Well, back then, at that time, they just ranked the top 40 men players. And uh, I think at that time I got what honorable mention, which is around 38, 39 in men's singles. 
after a big tournament in Atlanta, which was the uh, U.S. Open. And uh, it was done by a team of folks that would rank the players. So your first U.S. Open tournament was in Atlanta? Actually, my first one was uh, in San Francisco. I drove all the way out to uh, San Francisco in my white Mustang with a buddy of mine to play in my first tournament. Drove from St. Louis, and that was such a big uh, experience. Well, not only to travel, but to play in that tournament and see all these top players. You and your buddy are road tripping to San Francisco, and you know you're going to play in your first U.S. Open. Are, are you nervous? Are you excited? Has it really really even sunk in that you're about to play in, in such a big tournament? I think with it being on a long trip and all that, that probably took some of the nervousness away. Outside of when you're playing uh, in a national tournament like that, who are you playing against for practice? Do, did some of your friends play? Do you get in clubs around the area? Like, where are you practicing your skills? Back then, uh, I had uh, some friends that played in Chattanooga. And then, of course, at school, I had I tried to get the best players that I could uh, to practice with. But I did go ahead and save all my money, I think, in the year of 1968 for a real expensive table tennis robot, a Stiga robot, out of, made out of Sweden. So it was pretty expensive, but um, at that time, I think it was around $650, which was a lot of money. And I got that, so I would, I took that to college and would play against that. That, that helped me. So was this robot essentially your roommate? <laughs> yeah, probably so. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So so you were playing against a robot, and was this thing, was it clumsy, or, or did they really have it down, like this thing was really good to play against? Yeah, at that time it was considered the best, and it, it was fast, and it could do a lot of different things, top spin, back spin, set up or serves to you, and uh, it, it would really give you a workout. So yeah, that was my buddy. Yeah, <laughs> did you did it, uh, give it a name? Uh, I can't remember that uh, if I did or not. Uh, I guess it was my buddy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's great. All right, so you've been in. Tell me if I'm wrong here, but don't you have the world the Guinness Book of World Records for appearing in the most U.S. Opens? Is that what it is? I don't know if it's in the the Guinness World of Records, but I know. The USATT has got it marked where I've been to 52 in a row. So you have the world record for being in the most consecutive U.S. Open table tennis tournaments. Yes, that's correct. And then so you won a gold medal or more doing what? Well, the gold medals recently uh, that I'm most proud of would be probably in the Senior Olympics because I won the singles, doubles, and mixed doubles uh, at that particular time. So that was really something special to get the gold in all three of them. You haven't only played in the U.S., though. You've played all over the place. You played in China, right? Yes, I had an opportunity to uh, go to China for the uh, 35th year reunion of the U.S. and China because of uh, when our U.S. team had visited China and got invited over to China in 1971. Yeah, let's dive into that because you, you told me that story, but I think that'd be a really good story to share with people about how the table tennis matchup between U.S. and China kind of opened the door to reestablish a trade relationship between U.S. and China, right? 
Yeah, basically, yeah. It, uh, there had been no American in China for like, I think they said 25 years that I know of. The U.S. team was going to the World Championships uh, that year, and I was planning on going because uh, at that particular time, my doubles partner was John Tannehill, who recently passed away, and uh, we're playing doubles. We played doubles in one U.S. Open together, and uh, I was going to go over with the U.S. team, had already purchased a ticket to go, and but at that particular time, it was it was going to be in the World Championships in Japan, Nagoya. I was excited about going uh, to see the U.S. team play and see my doubles partner play. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to go because I just bought I had a golf dealership. And they said, you better stay here with it. It might not be here at the time you get back because it was going to probably be a 10-day trip. So I didn't go. But then at that particular time at the World Championships, our U.S. team got invited to China to uh, tour it and to it was kind of a, I guess, a way to get the U.S. back and having a good relationship with America. It kind of opened the door. So uh, a couple of those players, I think one of them got on the wrong bus and made friendship with their team players, and that kind of set it off where uh, the best player in the world recommended back then to the leader of China, which I think was Mayo was his name, and... Uh, they recommended to invite the team over, which they did. So the reason I got to go on the 3050 reunion in 2006 was because the president of our USATT uh, had knew I missed out on going on that trip. She said, I'd like you to go with our, our U.S. team, all the living members, to go back for the 3050 reunion. So I got to actually go with them and my, my friends, and I was with John Tannehill and the other players and the coach at that time, Jack Howard, who's recently passed away too. And they were pretty good hosts for you guys, right? They were they were rolling <laughs> yeah. on the red carpet. Oh yeah, they did. It was un- unbelievable. I mean, we arrived in Beijing and got greeted with flowers, and it was we had a special bus that they were touring us around on. It was really amazing. Go to the some of the best restaurants, and it's really something because I like to eat and. We'd pull up some of the restaurants, and the whole staff would be out waiting on us to greet us, you know. I'll never forget, we went to the uh, best player that was giving us the tour, probably the best player ever, and uh, he took us to his school where he went and trained to be as good as he was. And uh, I'll never forget, that in the parking lot, they had 1,500 students all in attention in their big parking lot waiting for our bus. Wow. <laughs> so that was... That was amazing. Yeah. Well, ping pong is a huge deal in China. It's their national sport, right? Yeah. So when the U.S. team went over to play China, were you guys considered the underdogs? Because, you know, it's not as popular of a sport here in America. So I wouldn't think that it has the funding. It probably doesn't have the the backing that it does in China being the national sport. So would you guys have been considered the underdogs when you went? Well, at that particular time, what they did actually was uh, did exhibition matches to uh, share with the Chinese people. They toured them around when they did visit. They visited the Great Wall, which I got to do on the the 3050 reunion trip, of course. That was really something. I did get to play uh, a couple matches in one of the stops, even though I wasn't on the U.S. team. I was 
invited to uh, play a match. I just barely lost that in a five-game match. And it was kind of interesting. It was a Sunday morning that we were going to school because I was told at that time that they go to school seven days a week. So it was, <laughs> was kind of interesting that we were going to school to do the exhibition on a Sunday. It was also kind of unique because we were running behind. The bus driver was running behind, so they allowed the bus because of traffic to go on the opposite side of the interstate to get to the school in time for our big exhibition because they had TV and everything. There. Man, so <laughs> y'all had police escorts yeah, and everything? everywhere we went, yeah. In fact, one of the sponsors of our trip for the U.S. team had a clothing business over there, and he asked us to uh, wear some of his outfits for a, uh, a show to show off his wear. So um, we uh, agreed to do that. So it was kind of like a big thing like you'd see in New York City that all of China was looking at. Uh-huh. Uh, so we got to go down the runway with the, the most beautiful ladies in China at that time. Nice. So, <laughs> got some good pictures of that. I can show you. Uh, yeah, I love to see those. In fact, I got a whole album my wife put together for me on the China trip. But uh, lots of, uh, you know, going down that runway. And then there was, I mean, so many cameras and pictures and stuff like that. After that, we'd go somewhere and taxi cab driver say, you're, you're, uh, you were on that TV program. You're famous. You know? They recognized you guys. So that was kind of cool. But just traveling around is the with the American team, really something. So you, there was a time before you turned your passion for table tennis into a career by opening up your store. You were in other industries before, the oil industry and, and other yeah. things. And at what point did you realize, or did you decide, okay, ping pong, table tennis, table sports are, are my passion. I want to go, I want to double down on this and open up the world's first table tennis store. Even in high school, I was selling butterfly equipment, rubbers and blades and stuff like that. So I always liked to sell. I was always kind of doing business deals, selling lightning bugs, and uh, <laughs> did did a lot of things. Did got in, in, involved with Amway, but it was, I was, a, selling, it was a good markup on lightning bugs. Yeah, I hear. Yeah, it was pretty good back then. Uh, I had the whole neighborhood collecting them for me, so <laughs> yeah. I could sell them to a company that wanted them for uh, a research, you know, but. I got kidded a lot because I'd like to, to sell and take care of customers and everything and did everything from grass cutting to you name it. But I was selling equipment, and I'd go to tournaments and sell blades and rubber and balls and things like that. So I'm still known as Butterfly's longest-running butterfly dealer, the largest manufacturer of that equipment since 1965 in North America. So I'm kind of proud of that. So yeah. um, I thought, who else should really open up America's first table tennis store if somebody believes in the sport and that uh, it's been good to me and I wanted to share it with other people. So it would be a central place that people could come and play, whether they come out as on a date or dad brings his son or daughter to play or come in as a family. So Bumper Nets is the name of the store, and it's in the River Chase Galleria here in Hoover, Alabama. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about, about Bumper Nets and what you guys are doing now. Well, um, the way I got the name Bumper Nets, I'd, when I was traveling around the oil industry, kept thinking one day I'm going to 
not have to travel as much. I'm going to want to go to a mall where I don't have to worry about cold weather and I could just promote table tennis lessons and rackets and sell equipment and everything and get people hooked on table sports. And I said, i got to come up with a name. So Bumper came into effect with pool, Bumper Pool, and nets for table tennis net. So I thought, that's that's a cool name. So I called it Bumper Nets. And, uh, it's catchy. I said, uh, that's a catchy name. So uh, I can hear a kid now saying, uh, Dad, let's go to Bumper Nets. Let's have some fun and play some table tennis. So uh, I held on to that name for a long time until I finally had a chance to uh, do it. And uh, the reason I got to Birmingham is I'd been in the oil industry with Gulf Oil, BP, and moved like 10 times in uh, 24 years. And finally, uh, I left BP, and then and then I had an opportunity to uh, uh run an oil company, which I'd always wanted to do as COO. And they were looking for a COO to turn the company around to uh, come to Birmingham to uh, take over the company. So it was a three-year contract. And uh, after uh, I finished that contract, I decided to uh, and see what a, a store might look at, look like. So I did an exhibition booth in the Brookwood Village Mall. and uh, R.I.P., yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and uh, the Galleria had heard that we were looking to maybe expand or do something, so we got into conversation to look at that, and uh, they worked it out where we could, we were able to start out uh, in a little spot in the food court, and mm. that was March of two thousand one, and I was nervous. You talk about nervous because the gallery was full of people and people coming and going and we were going to be put right in the food court. And I could see that, you know, the signage bumper nets right there would be great. Great visibility. And the leasing person, assistant manager says, yeah, this would be a good place to start you. And you can have your, call it a pro shop and we'll move you into a little bit bigger store after six months, which we did the six months in the bottom of the food court and moved upstairs next to the cookie store. Oh, yeah. We were there six months, and they said, we're saving a store for you down on the other end by Sears, and uh, we're going to start you out there. And uh, so we moved down there after six more months in that store, and we had a little bit of everything, a couple pinballs, we had two pool tables, two air hockeys, we were into all the different table sports, a little bit, one arcade, ping pong. That time we had one ping pong table and one ping pong table and a robot out in front of the store. So we we made it work, and uh, the mall realized that we'd outgrown it after about five years. And then they asked us to uh, take over the large NASCAR store that uh, couldn't survive. And it had its own outside entrance, and they said, we think you can take that and make that work, have more room for accessories and have more room for people to play uh, all the different sports. So that's when we moved to a bigger store. And So uh, you don't just sell the equipment there. People can come in and play. Yeah, they can actually come in and rent a table by time. Uh, and uh, we do 
do a Friday night ping pong tournament every Friday night. Uh, six to six thirty is free practice. Six thirty to eight, we run a tournament. Do you have to sign up, or can you just come? You can you can call in, sign up. Uh, we can only handle about sixteen people on a Friday night, so we kind of max out on that usually. But they we we offer that to our customers, and you have a league. We have leagues, and uh, also we offer lessons. Uh, I've got a head coach who's a national coach. And I'm also a national coach myself. Uh, my head coach, Keith Evans, has been a Jamaican national champion. And he also took Texas Westland to uh, number one in the United States uh, as a school, small school, over all colleges, universities. He did that for about 10 years in a row. And I was able to pick him up as our national coach about three years ago. Right now, you were telling me that you're preparing to make another appearance in the U.S. Open, right? Actually, uh, I didn't make the U.S. Open uh, uh, opportunity this past December because of the weather and everything. So my my record got stopped at 52. But you made it. You just couldn't go. I couldn't go. Yeah, they would have loved to have you. <laughs> yeah, they were. Everybody was wondering where I was. Yeah. They were kind of concerned. Uh, but uh, anyhow, 52 in a row is pretty good. I felt so. But uh, I'm looking to. Uh, I qualified for the uh, 75 and over singles for uh, the Olympics. Uh, so that division would be the division I would play in this summer. So I'm looking to try to go and win that uh, singles event. So you're going to be on the low end of that 75 yep. age range? Kind of like when I just turned 50 because that was the, the lowest end in the National Senior Olympics. So if I can make that, I'd like to uh, win that. So I got to kind of get with it and start practicing instead of doing so much uh, retail Olympics. Well, uh, you know, I mentioned to you, my wife, she thinks she can take you. Mm. She thinks she can. She's, I think the word she said, she said, I can smoke Homer oh, on the yeah. ping pong table. So we'll, <laughs> this might be a good time to try me. I don't, I don't know if she's played since uh, beer pong in college, but uh -huh. she has you know, a lot of confidence. So uh -huh. we'll come over and see what she can do. Yeah, we got to try that. Yeah, I might put some money on that one. Yeah, <laughs> we need a, a new woman champion in, in Alabama. So we got to get her, uh, get her into it. Why not Katie? I think she's a. She likes to play tennis too, doesn't she? She likes to play yeah. a little tennis. Yeah, yeah. she's a, she's an athlete. She played basketball in high school, so she is athletic. I don't know how she is with a paddle, but we'll see. Yeah, that reminds me. I when I was in college, uh, I was I was always trying to promote table tennis. You know, we uh, do anything I could do to promote it. But I saw it off my wood tennis racket to play in the uh, the tournament for our, our PE in small colleges and uh, I played table tennis on the tennis court. I had it sawed off tennis racket. So you sawed off the handle so <laughs> it felt more like a paddle? Yeah, so I just barely put the ball in play and then run to the baseline just keep bringing things back. I think that's called pickleball now. Yeah, it's kind of like it. Yeah. yeah, I got my paddles from, from bumper nets. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. We, we sell a lot of pickleballs on Amazon and through our store. So you were talking about when you moved to Birmingham was for to was to be the COO of Vulcan Oil. Yes, sir. So you know this podcast is about Birmingham. It's called Discover Birmingham. So what uh, what were your thoughts on Birmingham before you actually moved here? You know, you had you visited before? Yes, I'd been you know driven through and 
So what were you and Judy thinking? Were you kind of a little, a little hesitant or skeptical about, you know, you might've heard some things about Birmingham. Like what, what were you thinking versus how did you actually feel about it once you moved here? Well, I, I thought that uh, Birmingham could be a good town to move to because I had heard a lot of good things about them. Pretty town. I uh, told my wife that uh, I was tired of the cold weather and, mo- and moving so many times because when you move 10 times in 24 years, that's a lot. And I thought I'd really want to control my life a little bit and go back to the south where it's warm because I don't like cold weather. So I said, let's give this a try. You know, I like Birmingham and it was a pretty town, and and you've been here for how long now? Since uh, August of '96, so I've been here a long time. So I've been saving this hard-hitting question for uh, you know before, so that people could get to know you first and uh, kind of form an opinion before they find out this important piece of information: Alabama or Auburn. Well, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting question because my daughter went to Alabama and my son went to Auburn, and they they both liked their universities. They're big Alabama and Auburn fans, and so that that's a tough question. But I will say this: that we sell all the, both of the products, mm-hmm. but uh, I do a lot of things for Alabama. We take care of their uh, table sports and uh, work closely with their. Uh, teams over there and uh, done some things with their Alabama football team with hand-eye and they've got them playing in the past and that's a very diplomatic answer yeah but you know when you're here you got you got to pick one yeah (laughs) so yeah Alabama's definitely uh been my team and we've enjoyed working with them and uh in fact, Nick Saban's son loves pinball and he comes into bumper nets to play and uh, Nate Oates uh has been to Bumper Nets, and uh, we've worked with him. And uh, we're so excited about what he's done with the uh, basketball team. Do you guys have any uh, go-to restaurants to eat at in, or in the Hoover area? Well, yes. Uh, I, I like to go to O Sushi in Hoover. Real good sushi. And uh, got a great staff there and good owners. They do a good job there. Yeah, I've heard of- good things about it. I haven't tried that yet. I've... I like, uh, as far as sushi goes, my favorite in town, I think, is Jinsei. Yes. Homewood, really good. Yeah. But I, like, I haven't tried Osushi yet. Yeah, I like Jinsei. That's good. It's a little bit further away and everything, which is tough. But uh, the uh, owners are good friends of mine uh, at Osushi, and uh, it's close. And uh, Do they take Moxie? No. There, there is a mox. There is a sushi restaurant on Moxie, though. I think I can't remember who it is. Well, well they actually they did take Moxie. Uh, there's a. I was the only one they were taking Moxie from. A lot of people do ask, you know, do you take Moxie? But yes. some people just have not heard of it. I think it's such. That's how you and I met. Really, is through Moxie. Yes. How would you describe it? It's. I would say it's kind of like a network of business owners who agree to to kind of trade with each other. Yes. And they use. You see, so you get in the network. You can you use Moxie points or Moxie dollars to yeah. kind of trade back and forth. So, for instance, you came to see me as a chiropractor mm-hmm. and you paid with Moxie. Yes. So that doesn't mean that I can only trade back to you. It means that I can go trade with a dentist or I can go trade at Soho Social. You know, I can come um, come to Bumper Nets and I can go to Bumper Nets, uh, play games or rent a ping pong table. Yeah, or, like I bought pickleball. 
mm-hmm. paddles from you with Moxie dollars. So mm-hmm. I think Moxie is such a cool idea. I just don't think that enough people know about it yet. How, how would you yeah. describe it? Yeah, I think you described it pretty good. Moxie is a, a good program. They've got a good leader. Nathan and his wife uh, have done a lot with that uh, business here locally. And uh, it's kind of a special group because you've got, say, over 300 businesses that uh, can promote and help each other. All right, I'm just going to take a quick time out from this episode to remind you all that this is our first episode and we are trying to build this podcast. So please hit that subscribe button and also hit that little bell-shaped button right next to it so that you'll get a notification every time we launch a new episode, which we plan on doing weekly. And after you've subscribed, what would it hurt to share this episode with a friend? Thanks again for tuning in to the Discover Birmingham podcast. Now back to the episode. So we both live in, in the River Chase neighborhood, so there are a few good options around the area. Do you guys ever eat at Dale's? Yes, I have eaten there, yes. That's that's our go-to. When we'll good. always get it to go. Um, Dale's is really good Southern cooking. Yeah. And when you, we probably get it maybe once a month. So not that frequently, but in spite of that, whenever we call the guy, Dave, that works at the front, mm-hmm. yes, he, he knows our voice. He, he's so good. He's yes. so personable. He, he, he knows you. Yeah. And, uh, whenever you go in, he greets you. He's a, he's a good, uh, I guess he's the manager, but he's, he's really good at it and they have good food. So Dale's is a favorite. Another one, uh, Trey Luna. You've been to Trey Luna? I've been there, yes. I'm, I'm looking forward to giving it a try. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things to do is eat. So are you, um, as far as eating, are you more of a sweet or a savory type person? Savory. I like you the like savories? appetizers. and I like about everything, really. Uh, but uh, sushi is probably one of my favorite. It's a go-to? Of course, a good steak, too, is good. Always good. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. I would, you know, I have more of a sweet tooth. I would say I have a whole mouth of sweet teeth. So, you know, you're working in the Galleria, and whenever you walk in, what do you smell? Cindy's. Mm-hmm. The whole the whole Galleria smells like Cindy's mm-hmm. cinnamon rolls, and that that's a weakness of mine. Uh, in fact, I think I've told you before that uh, Katie, my wife, so she and I both worked at the same kiosk in the Galleria before we ever knew each other. And we worked wow. there at the same time. It was called the Buckle Booth. Oh, wow. We were selling belt buckles in the gallery when I was probably 20, so she would have been maybe 18 or 17. Mm-hmm. And only one person worked at a time. So we never worked with each other, but we worked there at the same time. So we we could have met, you know, what, 15, 20 years before we did, but we, we just didn't. Wow. Instead, we met at a uh, – our friend – Lindsay Noto put on this uh, charity dating auction for, I think it was the Leukemia Foundation a uh-huh. few years ago. And uh, she recruited me and uh, maybe four or five other guys. And then there were five girls as well. So she recruited all of us to to be in it, to be auctioned off with a dating package. So you might, you get a date with us or a date with me and maybe go to a Barons game or something like that. And it was just to raise money. So 
it was an auction. So you're standing on stage as a single on stage and there's a whole crowd of people at Cahaba Brewery bidding on this date with you. So, um, <laughs> I know it was brutal. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it would have been, you know, my worst nightmare, but I was like, all right, I'll do it. Some of my buddies were doing it. So, so I was in it and then Katie was another one of the singles in it. So she went first and, um, I'll never let it live. I'll never let her live it down because she ended up going for 500 bucks. Wow. And I ended up going for a thousand. Oh, so I remind her of that frequently. Wow. But I met, <laughs> but that's how we met. I met her there and, um, uh, and I said, I get, you know, I got to go on a date with you and many more. I didn't even have to pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but good. yeah, it could have been at the vocal booth in the gallery. Uh, I think it's a good, uh, program. I'm surprised we don't have more of those, uh, kind of, uh, dating things to raise chair for charity yeah no I think I, that's a great idea it's a good idea it's a fun I need idea to put my son in that program <laughs> yeah I need to find him a good woman is that right yeah he's probably one of the most sing, uh, eligible singles in town is that right yeah. and how, how old is he uh he's 42 and he's been our national champion for table tennis was our state champion many times but he was the youngest ever to win the 10 and under championship at eight so you I got was, him started early you know kind of like a like a Tiger Woods dynamic. Yeah, actually got him started at 14 months and three what? years old. Uh, he was balling the ball on a, on a pallet, wood pallet. And at five years old, uh, well, actually I told him if he kept the ball in play volley wise, 400, uh, 500 times in a row, if he could do that, he could play in his first tournament. And he did that at four years old. So You're he kidding. actually played in his real first tournament in Nashville, Tennessee at four. How are the ladies not not attacking this guy? Well, you know, he's a busy guy. He's in. He goes from one office to another. He kind of supervises bumper nets, uh, so he's in. And it does uh, takes care of our eBay business and Amazon business, and uh, maybe he could try his luck in China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of ladies that like ping pong over there. That's I'm for sure. sure. And sushi. Yeah, yeah. Wait, no, yeah. I'm sorry. That's Japan. Yeah, Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I get those mixed <laughs> Just up. Just kidding, guys. Do you all play against each other much now? Occasionally we'll play. In a balls-to-the-wall fight-to-the-death match, who would come out on top? Uh, I'd give him a good run, but uh, he's got very good serves, probably unknown serves that you don't even know what's on the ball uh, that he's developed. Uh, that with some of the rubbers that you can put on your blade – as we call it, custom blade. Um, you can put some really good spin, and uh, it's hard to return. So I could miss several serves before I can even get into a volley against him. That's how strong he is. And, of course, he's with a loop. You can get about 10,000 RPMs with good rubber. No kidding. Yeah. I think I read on Wikipedia that you invented a serve, <laughs> right? What, the the Homer Brown knee special. Yeah, I don't have a lot of unique serves, but that's that's one I'm kind of noted for is the Homer Brown knee special. Did you teach that one to your son, or did you save that one for you? I saved it for myself. Uh, you got to keep that in your pocket. I think it'd be embarrassed if he did it. It'd be. <laughs> Do you think there will come a point where you decide to step away from the store, or you think that'll be something you always you always go into? Well, it's that's a good question. You know, my wife would love to see me retire. Uh, but uh, I think uh, maybe semi-retiring, you know, we cut the hours from 75, 80 a week to 
35 or 40 might be more uh, realistic um, so I can maybe do some traveling and enjoy life a little bit more. Sales tax, CPA work, insurance, leases. I think that somewhat scares Adam away a little bit from uh, taking over the company and running it. Uh, I can respect that. But, sure, uh, yeah. Uh, when you're going seven days a week and don't stop, it's uh, it's a challenge. Because you never get into something to do the paperwork. That was a contributing factor to me shifting gears with, with my career, kind of pulling out of chiropractic and wanting to go into a different field. Um, I don't know if I mentioned I'm t- I've been taking a real estate course. No. Did I, I tell you about that? No. Oh, great. I, you know, I did it because I have so much more free time now than yeah. I ever have. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I got on it through Moxie. Okay. A couple nights a week, a real estate course. And I've always been really interested in real estate, and it's something I always thought I might want to do. But I was, you know, I'm looking at the markets and like now would be the worst time to get started with that. But I was like, I'll go ahead and just take the course, maybe get my license. So now that I'm learning all that material, it's got me really excited about it. So I think I'm going to put a lot of time into that. So people can find you on. Uh, so you have a, a Bumpernet's Facebook page with a pretty big following. What is what's that page? Yeah, that's Bumpernet's Facebook 7. Uh, and we can easily be found. We've got a little over 28,000 followers Uh of bumper nets, uh, so it's a good uh, social media. Since Sears had pulled out of the mall, uh, we're actually called the Bumper Nets Wing because we have three stores. We have our main store in Arcade, where you can rent a pool table, ping pong table, play any kind of old or new arcade. But then also we have a Bumper Nets for Kids Arcade, which everybody goes in there because we've got basketball, ski ball, Mario Kart. And then we got the Bumper Nets Arcade, too, which has got the latest shooting games, driving games, tournament air hockey, pinball, of course, driving games. And what's unique about our business is that we take quarters or dollar bills. That way you know what you spend. It's not a lot a lot like some arcades whereby you have to buy a player's card, spend mm. money for that, and then you don't really know what you're spending. So for the same arcade game that we have where you pay a dollar you might be paying a dollar eighty uh on your player's card you just don't realize you're spending it so you get more bang for your buck and the customers love to use quarters or dollar bills in that way it's kind of nostalgic yeah they get a roll of quarters it's just like the old times and put it in that pinball machine and we got the old pinball machines and they got the latest and as you mentioned you can play it or buy it at bumper nets whether you want it used or new and and get any kind of accessory you want for your table sport of, that you love. And what are your hours? Well, right now, Monday through Thursday, we're 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And then we're open to 8 on Friday and Saturday nights. Sunday, 11 a.m. to 6. So you can get in early where it's quiet with your family and play some games early Sunday morning if you like. Excellent. Well, Homer, uh, thanks again for doing this. I appreciate you coming on. And is there anything else you want to add? Well, you know, we do have our own website. It's bumpernets.com, and it does show lots of pinballs that are for sale or all the cues or rackets or rubber you might need for your paddle or whatever information you need to find out about our birthday parties. We do socials. We do team building. As I mentioned, we give lessons. And then you also have billiards. Wait, is billiards the same thing as pool? Yeah, basically the same, to keep it simple. But uh, we have the Brunswick brand. We're the Brunswick dealer for Alabama. We're the Stern dealer for the Stern Pinball 
in, in Alabama. So we have a lot of the major brands that uh, we sell, lots of darts, uh, dart, darts and accessories and dart boards. Probably one of the larger venues uh, for darts in the country. And uh, as far as cue sticks, you can spend $15 to, you know, $3,000 on a cue stick. And uh, we're there to help the customers. Uh, we enjoy doing that, our staff. Excellent. Well, uh, good talk. And, it's been uh, great. Yeah. Excellent. We'll have to do it again soon. Absolutely. I'm with you.